Welcome to episode one, Down Board Game Lane. Thank you for joining with me down this journey as we talk about introductions. Introductions about who I am and we'll go into some of my top 100 games of all time because I feel like that is a good start to identify who I am as a board game player. But circle back, who am I? My name is Andrew. Just a guy who works in retail, who loves playing board games, but what's not always the case with me. So I came into this hobby four or five years ago when I was dating my now wife, and we did it as a way to bond, to get to know each other, and to do something that we could do together. Because I did not grow up playing board games. I grew up playing video games because that was my parents' way of babysitting me and my brother, and I did collect some TCGs, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, etc. I never played professionally, but enjoyed going the back and forth between me and my brother, playing competitively, making decks, trying out to each other. But I'm sure we all have had that experience of Monopoly or Sorry and never really found it enjoyable, well, mostly because we never read the rules, never really understood it, and we were just taught how to play by somebody else and how they house ruled it so they always lasted too long and somebody was always very unhappy so board games growing up necessarily was never a good experience for me that being said growing up into my teen years i did play some cards some basic card games heart spades euchre hand and foot and found those to be enjoyable at the times that I was able to sit down and play those with some friends or some family. But overall, yeah, board games never came up until my wife's like, hey, do you want to play some board games? And I looked at her sideways and like, like Monopoly? Oh yeah, like, like Monopoly. But boy, did, was I aware of the rabbit hole I was about to go down. How much board games have changed since I was growing up and the late 90s, just in that small window of time, all the themes, all the mechanisms, everything about the games that you can find to be enjoyable, to keep your focus, the bonds and experience and the fun and the memories you can have, and most of the time, a lot of wholesome entertainment. So, yeah. That's what we're going to be discussing much more in detail. If you listen to the short here, we're going to be talking about board games and board game adjacent hobbies. I also trying to dabble into miniature painting as well as still enjoy those occasional TCGs. And of course, my research, I love researching board games. I love watching the videos. I love watching other channels like Watch It Played or The Dice Tower and just really focusing around that life around board games so stop playing video games in general really don't play any phone games but i do occasionally still like my quest and playing some beat saber getting some good exercise because that will make you sweat let me tell you all right but that's a little bit about me we'll talk more about me in later episodes i don't want to bore everybody in the very first episode I'm going to try to keep these podcasts anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, you know, depending on the content, depending on how much I ramble. Um, I'm going to try getting them up at least once a week. Maybe two, depending on how life goes, because I still have to work a full-time job. I still have to provide for my family. 
So I'm going to do the best I can. Thank you for anybody who's come along this journey with me. But let's start talking about my top 100 games or games of all time as of November 2022. And for those who are relatively new and don't really understand the concept of ranking games, well, it's some of the ones that I would prefer to play at a moment's notice. Ones that I give a higher rating to. And how I ranked them was by Pub Meeple. It's a very wonderful ranking engine, engine where it gives you two games. And you have to decide, out of these two games, which one I would rather play. Very simple concept. So I took it very literally in the fact that if it gave me two games, what's my player count? I prefer to play it out. I have the time for it. And then I chose between the two games based on perfect player count, time, mood, and went from there. So I feel like it's a pretty accurate list. I don't go back through and edit it afterwards. I highly recommend using PubMeeble if you're ranking your board games. It's such a wonderful, wonderful uh, engine and ranking system that's available to us. Of course, uploading it from your BGG account, Board Game Geek, makes it a little easier to cull through the games if you keep up with those in your collection. So, all right. Number 100. My 100th game came out in 2016. Tiny Epic Western. It's a game to one to four players. It plays in about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, it's by Skull Alms um, by Gameland Games. Um, Tiny Epic series by Skull Alms are an interesting ones. Ones I don't have too much experience with. I've only played three of his games in the Tiny Epic series, but this one was good. Um, this game is played in a series of round. Each round, poker cards are dealt between certain locations, which are laid out in a circle like the saloon or jailhouse. And players place their posse mem members, their meeples, on location cards, um, which will give them an action and count as a bid for the locations of valuable resources. Players also get poker cards from their own, which uses two adjacent cards from location to form a three-card hand. Uh, this creates a clever mix of modern worker placements and poker that drives the game. And throughout it, you will engage and manage resources, which they have in the form of law, money, and force to buy buildings and maybe have a duel with each other to have a gunfight. And if you have the highest stakes and lucrative industries at the end, because as the round goes by, you'll constantly decide which one's more valuable to you. Is it law? Is it money? Is it force? And you'll be going up these tracks, decide which is more valuable at the end of the game. And at the end of these rounds, You'll collect points based on buildings that you've upgraded and sent back to your hideout, uh, your resources, how well you did, your poker hands, and whoever has the highest points will win. Very, very simple game. Um, the only reason why it's not rated higher, it's my lowest ranking of the Tiny Epic games. I don't know if it's the only one on my list. I didn't go too far deep in analysts in my games to talk about future tense, but I hear a lot of people talk about this game as it's not one of their favorites, 
because they feel like it's too busy. It feels like there is something extra in this game that shouldn't be. But it's really cool. The aesthetics are there. You get a D6 shape of a bullet that you roll around for dice. I mean, the theme is wonderful. I mean, you have the poker hand. You're playing them out. The cards are very old, antique old-timey designs. And I really like it. And I kind of agree with people that it feels like it's trying to be too much. But I also can't think of a mechanism that's like, if this was out of the game, it'd be so much better. So it's a weird mix for me. Why it's 100, but still a great game. Um, play with two, me and my wife. I'm sure that if we got a three or four player game going with it, we would have so much more fun. There'd be a lot more contention, a lot more duels, a lot more things going on. I feel like it'd be a better experience. Um, but as for right now, that's my number 100, Tiny Epic Western by Skull Alms. All right. 99. 99 is a game that came out in 2019, so it's fairly new. Um, it's called On Tour. Um, this game you can play whew, up to one to eight players, a good player range. Its designer is Chad Deshaun, and it's published by Board Game Tables. Now, caveat to names, if I get some wrong or mispronounce, I apologize. I'm going to do the best I can. But this is one of my favorite roll and writes. Now, for those who don't know what a roll and write is, it's generally when you're rolling dice, dry erase markers, marking on a board, and you're making a game out of that, or like a pencil and a paper. It doesn't seem like it'd be interesting, but the theme behind it, the way you're doing it, makes this game very interesting because you are a band and you're about to go on tour either to the Americas to Europe depending on the board you have or some expansions it's your job to schedule the band stops over the course of a hundred days visiting as many states as possible so on your turn you're gonna take two ten-sided dice and make two digit numbers so an example if you rolled a two or an eight you'd get a 28 and an 82 so all players write those numbers throughout the map in the United States. Why is that important? Well, it's important because the regions that they write in restrict, restricted by what cards turn up in the middle. So one card might be, you can only place in the upper western United States. One card might be the southern eastern United States. And one might be just all of the northern. So you have to pick these cards and where these numbers are being placed. And at the end of the game, all these numbers that you place down based on these restriction of quadrants, you have to start a tour and you have to connect your routes by ascending numerical order. So let's say you start in Florida and you were fortunate enough to have a low number like a five. Well, then you have to decide, am I going to go up through Georgia up towards Maine because my numbers decrease slowly up to 20 and then go over west and come around back down to Texas? Because as soon as you hit a number, you have to travel to an adjacent state that's higher. So you have to plan a little bit in the direction you're going to go. So it seems so simple, but trust me, those roles are brutal, especially because like if I can just get one number in the 40s in Texas, I can make it through because I have California, I have uh, Wyoming, I have all these areas lined up in sequential orders and you're just rolling and rolling and you cannot get a four to roll in any way, shape or form. And it just ruins your entire plan. 
it's still a very fun game. Um, yeah, my 99 on tour. Uh, 98. 98 is uh, Stella in the Dixit Universe. Came out in 2021. Um, this is by Gerald Catuex and Jean-Los Robria. Its pub publisher is Libelude Games. I'm not a big fan of the Dixit game. Um, played it before. Great party game. But it suffers. It suffers from the fact that if you're dealt certain cards based on the clue in the middle, you're forced to try to tell this elaborate story to try to get by because you want to seem like you need the points you need to go through. You can't be caught not having any idea what people are talking about. And I love this one better because it's a competitive game, but each round players interpret Dixit cards on a board together. So all these cards are laid out on the board receiving, everybody receiving the same clue card. Now each player observes all the Dixit cards and secretly associate these cards with the clue, marking on this little slate of pad and paper or this dry erase mark, which cards out of the 10 or 12 that they think represents this clue. But you have to as you select the cards, you, other players will, you can score more points based on the cards you pick. But it's a risk because you conversely select a card that no one else chooses may cost you dearly because once everybody has chosen how many cards they want, say I chose four, my wife chose five, my brother chose three. Okay. So... Turn by turn, we're each going to pick a card. Say I picked the card in the top left. Say, who else had it? Well, my wife did great. We score some points. She chooses one in the middle. Well, I had that one too. Great. My brother chooses one, and nobody else has chose this card. He is out of the round. He is out of the round. He chose a card that nobody else chosen. He may have had better options to score points, but just because he took a risk of choosing a certain card that seemed out of the ordinary, he is no longer allowed to score any points. And that goes over four rounds, and for three to six players, I wish it played up to more. I understand why it doesn't, but it's just a great game where everybody can enjoy pretty art, to sit there and look and converse. Even if somebody made a bad decision, like my brother, and saying, well, I chose this card, we get to talk about it. Like, what did you see in this beautiful card that make you think of that word? So even if you're out of it, you can still have that conversation. So nobody is feeling excluded because you can still make your opinions known. You just might not be scoring points. And Let's just be honest, it's a game. It's not about that crunchiness, the, oh, I can beat you. No, it's about who is thinking the same thing. So the whole winning aspect is not very high, but talking about great art. That's in my 98, Stella in a Dixit Universe. 97. 97 is an older game on my list, and as you know, Started playing the board game Hobby 4 or 5. So this came out in 2010. It's one that I recently acquired in the last month and got to play at a three-player count. It's called Mask. M-A-S-Q-U-S, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it also has been known by go by the name Intrigo in the past. The designer is Charles uh, Chevalier, Catherine Dumas, 
um, publishers been all over the place from Fantasy Flight, Edge Entertainment, Arclight Games, cool mini or not. So depending on the year of this game, the name of it, a lot of different publishers have come up with it. But it plays in around 45 minutes to an hour or so. I think my first game at 3 it took me an hour and 15, hour and 30 because of the, the rules were... The rules at the time were a bit hard to understand. We got it down. We got it figured out. Unfortunately, I'm a guilty person of first things first. Is there a Rodney Smith video on how to play this game? And if there is, it's a good day. All right, so what is this game? Well, you have sent your most influential representative to mingle at a masquerade ball. By cleverly positioning the guests and by manipulating some of your opponent's guests, because you're all a color faction in a sense, so you're going to be drafting these cards and you're going to be keeping either your own colors or somebody else's colors to vie for attention of people at this ball to gain the most political power. And that's interesting because the gameplay resolves around the clever use of these cards and varying levels of influence. So when you receive your hand of cards and you pick, they're going to have a certain value of one to four. And depending on where you place it, the higher influence will get that card, the influence token. And you can gain money, you can gain the royal seals, and you're going to be mixing cards with members of family, using rival cards, maybe buying off people at the ball like an assassin to help take out the opponents. And depending on which rooms you go into this ball, after you get the gold or the gold favor tokens... At the end of the round, you'll see who wins because once you get three of the same faction or every different faction, you'll win the game. So you can see this game play out based on, okay, okay, I see my wife. She has two factions, seals of blue. She has a strong person, a level four person, about to five for the one. I got to hire an assassin to take out that person. She cannot have that. Or maybe I uh, pay off the gondolier to switch the people out of that room so she's somewhere less desirable. Interesting choices. Haven't played it at two. We only played it at that three count. But that first play, the only play I had it was... It was fun and interesting, and I really, really want to play it at four. Having four factions going, and then you throw in a, a wild fifth color that nobody has any control over, and it can be used to break ties and things like that. It is just a very simply placed card game. A lot of decisions, a lot of strategy. It was very fun. Okay, so that was my 97 mask. Okay, going to 96, came out in 2019, Conspiracy, the Abyss Universe, done by Bruno Catala and Charles Chevalier, publisher of the Bombix. It's for two to four players, and it plays roughly 30 to 45 minutes. Really, I think that 30 minutes is high if you're doing a two-player. Maybe a four-player, I say that's about right. Um, but Conspiracy Abyss Universe is a card game that's set in the world of Abyss. Um, the card's deck is comes in five colors, uh, 12 of each color, and it's numbered 0 through 6. Each player in the game will draft cards and build a upside-down or reverse pyramid 
starting with five, then going to four, then going to three, two, etc. But on your turn, you have a choice. You can draw one to three cards from the deck, choose one of it, but then you add it to the row. So this is an interesting decision because depending on how many cards you draw from the deck, uh, you get better choices, but you're leaving your opponent some choices too. Or you can choose a card from the row and add it to your pyramid, but you're just like, well, maybe I don't need this red one, but I don't want her to have it. So I'll draw, but I'm only gonna draw one card and just take my guesses because I don't wanna leave her options either. So it's a very good back and forth decision that will add these colors to these different factions to your pyramid. Because as soon as the cards in your row shows either two matching keys or three different keys, you take location cards, which are worth a lot of victory points to give you special powers, unique abilities. Some will be pearls, which are good tiebreakers or good amounts of points. Uh, for each color, though, in your pyramid, you'll score the largest value card in the pyramid. So even if you have five reds, you're only going to score the very highest value you have. So having all reds, not necessarily the best strategy, unless you're able to group them together. So if you trace a line from the top of the pyramid in a consistent line where all of them touch, you will score three points for each one of those cards and touching in that line. So if you're going to go for a same color, you want as many of them as you can and you don't ever want to break up the line because you have to place your cards left to right, top to bottom. Once you have five cards left to right, you go to the fourth, second row, you go four cards left to right. So you have to be selective of when you take them to show you don't break that line. And then once you fill up your pyramid, uh, it'll trigger the end game. You'll score up your points. Whoever highest one wins. Great game. Very great. Small game. Beautiful tin. If you can find the tin version. I think they've changed it now to where it's just a square box. But still a portable game. Take it on a plane. Take it with you in a travel. It's, it is a good, good game. Good tactical decisions. Especially in a two. Higher player count. I don't know. I don't know about that. I feel like you really couldn't pay attention to what anybody else is doing until it's your turn because by the time you look at the cards, like, oh, I'll take that one if it comes to me, probably will not come back to you and that'd be there. So yeah, that's why it's my 96. Conspiracy Abyss Universe. Really good. Really like this one. All right. 95. Came out in 2015. Known as the better version, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Seven Wonders Duel. Now, I've never played the original Seven Wonders. I have played Architects, and we may or may, not, may or may not discuss that later, but Seven Wonders Duel is a two-player version done by Bruno Catala and Antoine Bauza. It plays in about 30 to 45 minutes and published by Repos Productions. Well... It distills this game Seven Wonders down into a two-player back and forth. Well, why is this? Well, because it's been known in my research that the two-player version of normal Seven Wonders is just awful. Just awful. Don't even play it. That's why you get Seven Wonders Duel. And primarily, it's just me and my wife playing, so that's how it worked out. 
and we were not disappointed by it either. So instead of drafting the cards, um, the solids for two players, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be laying out different versions of pyramid of face up and face down cards. So you have a little bit of information of what's coming. And as you're picking these cards in a row, you will reveal the hidden ones to your opponents and give them the option to take it. And you're still doing the same things, getting the resources, trying to build your wonders. But what's interesting, though, is only seven wonders can be built. Well, there's two of you. You're just going to get four at the beginning of the game. So as soon as somebody builds all four, you can only build three. You can pay for resources from time to time to the bank but they go to your opponents it's and then as they have resources the cost of it increases it's just a good good game it really is and not only that it's it's not stagnant either because the game can end in three different ways either by going through the three ages and then calculating how much points based on progress cards and political cards and how many points your wonder scored how much money you have left over and who have the most player wins or it can end in warfare or science which is typically how the games end in my experience <laughs> uh, somebody gets too heavy-handed in building up their army and evades the other city and wins or somebody tries a different strategy and unwittingly lets somebody go for all the science that's how it normally ends in our book. Never had an end where we actually count points. So I'm curious to see actually how that would wind out if that could ever went out. But uh, still a great game. Bruno Catala and his two-player designs. Absolutely fantastic. But that is my 95... 94. Relatively new game came out in 2021. It is... Summer Camp. Summer Camp is a two to four player game by Phil Walker Harding. Uh, came up from Buffalo Games. It plays in 35, 30 to 45 minutes. And it is a competitive deck building game, a good welcoming game into the whole deck building genre where players race their own merit badges, collecting from most experienced points of win, as you would in Summer Camp or Boy Scouts. Things like that growing up. So it's a theme that I think a lot of people can relate to. Each player will have their own deck of cards to play. And the game progresses as you add new cards to, to your deck and make it every stronger. Just like a deck building game was. But the theme of Summer Camp differs because it includes seven different merit badges. Along with your base deck. So you can choose a, to do an adventure time. Arts and craft, cooking games, outdoors, water sports, all these things you typically do in a summer camp, you can be like, you know, let's go with arts and craft and outdoors and maybe a cooking class this time and see who can earn the merit badges first in these three categories. So it can change up the game quite a bit. And to win, the players must earn the most camp experience points or gain by claiming merit badges, advancing down paths buying cards it is a very diverse strategy to build the best combinations because each deck each arts and craft cards will play different from the water sports card which will play different from the hiking and outdoor cards so very very good game just <laughs> for a for a deck building game 
the theme, the simple nature, ages 10 and up, um, it, it's good. It really is a good welcome to deck building. And I think it's one that will stick around for a while. And you can pick it up at Target. It is very accessible. Very cheap, too. I think we got it when Target was going through their clearance. And we got it for like $10. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you could probably not get it as fortunate. Maybe 15 or 20 But definitely worth it if you always toyed around with the idea of deck building. But never actually knew what game to start with. Besides going to something like Dominion. But seems very intimidating. <clears throat> Sorry, I take a drink. All right. So, 93. 93 is another recent game that came out in 2021. It's another two-player variant. Sobek, two players. Um, this came out, um, like I said, 2021. Designer Bruno Catala again. and Sebastian Pachon. Publisher Catch-Up Games. And does it about 20 minutes. Yeah. What another Bruno Catala hit? Uh, in Sobex two player, both opponents are collecting and selling goods to earn the most victory points. On their turn, uh, players choose among three options: either take a tile on the market, sell a set of goods, or play a certain character that they may have acquired in the course of the game. And when players take a tile, they select one of the lines that this pawn is, shape of an onk, and they'll just add to their hand. Then they'll place the onk pawn on the line that's indicated by the tile. So let's say the tile was located up down. Okay, so that means you can only choose a tile up down from that tile. So you go down, and maybe that tile's orientation is diagonals, like diagonal left, diagonal right. So then you have to swap the pawn facing that direction, and now the opponent can only take from diagonal left and diagonal right. So you have these decisions. Kind of like this tactical chess, so like, okay, if I take this piece, they can only take these two on this side, unless they want to pay more resources to take something further down the line, which case they'll probably take this, which will orientate it this way. Oh, you can get so thinking ahead in massive time, it won't even work out for you, because they'll do something completely opposite. <laughs> it's just a fun little tactical game. It really is. Because that's what you do from your turn. You take a tile. You sell your goods, or you play a character. And once you sell a goods, you can no longer go back and add to it. You have to always choose something different, or choose the same goods to sell later. So you want to make sure you have a good amount of particular goods to sell before you do it, because you don't want to sell too early, or you're not going to get that much points. But you also don't want to hold off too long, because once the tiles run out to the point that you can't select anymore, you'll refill them one time, and then you'll go again as best as you can. And then the game will just end. No more turns, no more options. Once no more tiles can be replaced and all the legal tiles can be placed. So you have to kind of wait to your best opportunity to sell things based on what's out. So that is my 93 Sobek 2 players. <clears throat> 92. 92. A uh, game that came out in 2012. <laughs> Another two-player only game. Targi. Targi by Cosmos Games by Andres Steiger. Plays in about an hour. It is another tactical 
chess-like game where it, the board is a 5x5 five five grid of cards that's bordered around 16 squares of action symbols. And then there are nine blank space squares which the cards are dealt. So these meeples are placed one by one on one of these edge boards that does an action. Then you take turns. I place one on this action, opponent plays it on another, then I place on one, but <clears throat> I cannot place on the opposite tile of where they placed. So, reason why that is, is because after everybody's placed their tiles, you're going to be drawing these imaginary lines to where they meet up on these grid of cards, and you're going to be taking the cards where they lined up. And these cards you have to pay for for resources, which are worth victory points or ongoing effects. But you also need to put your cards to get the resources, but you also need your pawns to line up so you can get the card that you're getting the resources for. So it's, oh, boy, is this a brain burner. It is such, such a good game. It really is. Because you're going back through, you're deciding like, okay, if I go here and get some salt and some pepper, my options are any card in these rows, and I don't really like any of these cards, but I also don't want my, my opponent to get this card because I know they're saving up for this card because it was left over from last round. Ugh, such a decision. It's such a good, good Good decision. So much fun. Targi. Haven't played any of the expansions for it. It's a game that you don't really need in my opinion. Unless I'm wrong, then <laughs> let me know. Let me know um, about that. Because I think it's great just the original game by itself. So that is Targi, my 92. And my last game for this first set came out 2013. Hannah Makoji. Hannah Makoji, also known as Jixai Academy, is the version I have. Um, another two-player only game. Plays pretty quick, 15-20 minutes, by uh, Kota Nakayama. And the publisher is Emperor S4 Games. Um, ooh, this is another interesting back-and-forth game, but... It's not very hard in this strategy. It's it's an easy to play hard to master game because you and your opponent have the same exact actions. One of four actions. And when you do these actions, you're gonna compete to earn the favor of seven geishas or seven scholars, depending on the version you're playing, to win their item that they normally perform with or teach with and bring it to your side. But how you do it is presenting gifts to them. And these gifts are their specific color with a number value. So let's say one of the geishas, blue being the highest, is worth five points. And then the red one's worth the lowest of two. You're going to have exactly that many cards based on its value. So I have five blue red, five, five blue cards and two red cards. And this entire deck is completely randomized and shuffled out. And then you have a choice. Based on the cards in your hand, you can do an eye split you choose. Like take two cards out of your hand, split them into two piles, use that action, and your opponent takes one. Well, depending on the offering you give them will be points like 5, 4, 3, 3, 2, 2, 2. Right? Yeah, 5, 4, 3, 3, 2, 2, 2. I think that's right. Or maybe there's 
one less two and one more four but reason why that matters is because as you win the majority in these card placements you'll gain that token down to your side so if you gain the five token that's worth five points the first person to 11 points or have control over four of the seven geishas will win so everybody has the same four actions and you're both doing it back and forth making the same decision so oh it's a good good game simple the decisions are meaningful because if you make the wrong decision you're gonna lose the game and lose it quick and you'll learn your lesson from next time but short 15 minutes gives you experience of a full game because you have those moments like I really can't give you this card, so I'm going to use my one card to bury it and to score it at the end for points. But you probably know that's the card I'm going to bury, so are you going to bury the same card? I don't know. You can get in each other's head a little bit, especially if you're playing with the same person over and over and over again. So, yeah, <clears throat> 90, 91 Hanamikoji or Jigsaw Academy if you like more of the anime type theme, which I do love a good anime theme. I wish the art art designers and things like that, uh, Mashiro Masaki, uh, I wish I could see a lot more of her stuff, but I don't think she's known much in the board game scene as the artist, so that's going to be something that I wish she was not for, is more of the anime stuff, very hard to find a good anime board game, so that's a, that's another thing, if, if you have any of these suggestions, you can also send it to my email at downboardgamelane at gmail.com, if you have any questions about the podcast maybe a topic you want me to discuss because i'm going to go through and talk about different things i think my next recording i'm going to talk about themes i love a good theme in games um but what themes that i enjoy in games which themes i don't like in games are themes a deal breaker so these are just questions that i just like to know people's answer to so that's going to be the topic for next podcast. Um, yeah, that's my first segment, Top 100 Games of All, all Time, uh, as of this year. And maybe at the end of this, I'll go back through briefly and talk about my last year's list uh, before I come into the podcasting and talk about the differences and how my taste in games have changed. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this first podcast. Uh, thank you so much for those who are listening and coming along downboard game lane with me coming along this journey. I really appreciate you guys and talk to you guys next time. Bye.